0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Well, I'm gonna. We're gonna just plunge into this. See if we can get through a few more of these this morning. Uh, last week we started talking about some foundations uh, in prayer. These are things that these are. Uh, These are ideas, characteristics that really should undergird all the different kinds of prayer. And I haven't even, we still haven't gotten to talking about the different kinds of prayer, but we're actually hitting some of them through this. But, you know, whether we're praying for ourselves, praying for others, praying over our community, asking God for something, dedicating ourselves to something, whatever type of prayer it might be, there are certain foundations uh, that should undergird and be in and launch uh, every kind of prayer and so we talked last week, and I don't want to take much time on it. We talked about faith. Obviously, prayer needs to be generated by faith, by trust in God, confidence in God. If we're not confident in God, then, then we're going to pray from a wrong perspective. And so uh, we talked a lot about that last week. And again, I, I really don't want to take time to go back through all of that. But you can you can think about how many times Jesus said that it was The presence of faith that, you know, he told several people, be it done unto you according to your faith. Uh, We are told as believers to lay hands on the sick, and it is the prayer of faith that will raise them up. Uh, Jesus took people sometimes outside of a community because there was such an atmosphere of unbelief that it says Jesus couldn't do any miracles there. Jesus couldn't do any miracles because there was just such an atmosphere Of unbelief. That always blows my mind. So he he literally took this person outside of town, and I don't want to get into all that. It that tells us something about communities and cities and nations and places of authority and what goes on there. Uh, But so Jesus told people, your faith has made you well. We talked a lot about what faith is and how it works, and how faith is dynamic, it's not static, it can grow in us, and that happens as we spend time with God and hear him speak to us, it ignites faith on the inside of us, it can go up, it can go down. Uh, so we talked about a lot of that last week, and if you weren't here really strongly, this is we could spend weeks on this one uh, subject alone, so I really encourage you to at least go back and get last week's message on the podcast or uh, on YouTube or or whatever and, and catch up on that. Secondly, we got into this last week. I want to spend a little more time on it this week. We talked about praying from the foundation of the word and the promises of God. And what I really want to talk about is literally praying the word itself. Praying scripture. When we pray the word, we are praying what God has already said. This is the word of God, all right? Not this computer, but you know what I'm pointing at there. The scripture is alive and active, it is God breathed. It is His opinion or His declaration over whatever we happen to be praying about. So as we are in the word, it's important for us to learn how to take scriptures. You know how you're going along and, and the Lord just highlights something to you. The scripture just kind of comes off uh, the page or the screen or whatever you're reading it on these days and it, it just comes alive to you and it and and you know in your heart this addresses this situation over here. We want to learn how to take that word and turn it into a prayer. And pray it over our lives, our families, our communities, whatever you're declaring what God has already said rather than trying to get God to say or do something new he's already said it, so you are agreeing with what God has said you're agreeing with his opinion about how family's supposed to work, how your marriage is supposed to be, how your how your kids are supposed to grow and develop you're agreeing with what he has already said. And you are on this earth taking what has already been spoken from the Lord, already spoken in heaven, and releasing it on this earth. Does that make sense to you? Praying the word. It's a tremendously powerful way to pray. I last week showed you two little books. I didn't bring them in with me uh this week. One is uh, God's promises for your every need. And again, there are there are a lot of those now. There's God's promises for your dog. There's God's promises for the sidewalk. I mean, there's, you know, it got marketed in America, but the idea is somebody went through and collected promises and applied them to different areas of life and needs. So it's really handy. I mean, you don't ever want to take any of these tools and make them your prayer life, but sometimes if you got a specific thing going on and you just feel at a loss, it's really nice to open that up and 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 look up god's promises for my mother-in-law you know and and there will be a whole bunch of a whole bunch of scriptures in there that you can begin to pray the the other book i mentioned to you is called prayers that avail much and again i think that's been made into a lot of different books now and i'm sure it's all available online but it is a it is a book that someone took that was a person who prayed the word and they took scriptures And they turned those scriptures into prayers for different things. And then at the end of uh, a section of prayer, which you can, again, what I like about this book is it teaches you how to go to a scripture and turn it into a prayer. I I don't like to take it, and especially if you grew up with prayer books, you know, we prayed out of the book. You need to pray from your heart. You need to pray your own words. But it can be a real tool in learning how to turn scriptures into prayers. And at the end of each section, then she gives you all the scriptures that she turned into those prayers. Okay, so it's just again to me, it's a learning tool. And pretty soon, it'll just become second nature to you as you're going through the Bible. Something will stand out to you. And say, "Man, I need to pray that verse over this person or this situation." That's what, and I, and I can sense this is God's heart for them. And you just begin to. To pray it. And, and a couple things with that is you have to learn how to make the word personal. Okay, Realize that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Right, They are yes in Christ for you. God's word, even if it was spoken over Israel, or it was something that was revealed to David, and he wrote it down in a psalm, or it was something the Apostle pray, the apostle Paul prayed over the church of Ephesus. That's all the word of God. The Holy Spirit inspired. It is God breathed. The Holy Spirit inspired it. We are all in Christ. We are all believers. This word is to all of us. And so it's okay to make it personal. It's okay to take it into your life and say, This belongs to me, and so now I'm going to pray it personally. I'm going to pray it in the first person. I'm going to pray it in the second person. I'm going to pray it over this person. I'm going to put their name in it. I'm going to put my name in it. It's a promise from God. It belongs to you. It's okay for you to do that. If somebody gives you something, it's okay for you to use it in your life, right? You don't have to say, oh, no, this just belongs to them. No, it doesn't. It was given to you. Once they give it to you, it's yours. Okay? You get to use it for your life. This is how gifts work, if you didn't know that. Okay? So you want to put yourself in those verses, and you want to pray those verses over your life. This is how we, how we pray the Word. You take the passages and the principles from the Word, you pray them over yourself, your family, your city, etc. So I was thinking about this, and I thought, well... You know, I do this all the time. I don't really think about it anymore. Um, so I ought to, you know, I ought to give you an example. And so what I did is I just started praying over all of you in my office and just started writing it down instead of just saying it out, so I'm gonna read it to you. Okay. And I didn't put all the scripture references, I mean, I'll tell you some of them, but this is just kind of how we pray uh in in general. And so so this is what it's I'm just gonna read it to you. So I was saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the congregation that you are building at RMCM. All right, Jesus said He would build His church. Right, Jesus said that you would. Jesus, you said that you would build your church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Therefore, I pray for the members of this body that they would be built together in a beautiful habitation for Your Holy Spirit. That they, being strong in the power of Your might would in the power of your spirit assault and overcome the works of the devil on this earth. A lot of that comes out of the book of Ephesians, right? I believe that they live not in their own strength but in yours because it is you who, and I like to pray out of the Amplified Bible, okay? It is you who are effectively at work in them both to will and to work, to strengthen, energize, and create in them the longing and ability to fulfill your purpose for your good pleasure." You work in them today and every day, right up to the time that Jesus returns to perfect and complete that work that you have begun in them. Philippians 1 6, right? I pray that you would cause them to be above only and not beneath. All this comes out of Deuteronomy 28. I pray that you would cause them to be above only and not beneath the head and not the tail, that you would bless everything they set their hand to do, that they would be blessed. And be a blessing in the city, in the country, coming in, going out, that all of their personal storage places would be filled to overflowing. I pray that they having all that they need would abound unto every good work. I pray this just went on and on. I was like, okay, stop writing, but I couldn't. I pray that they would be absolutely filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that they would walk today by faith and not by sight, that their lives would be directed by the Holy Spirit as he gives gives them insight into spiritual things, that they would be free from deception, know the truth in every situation they face. I pray that everywhere they go, heaven would be manifested. This city is blessed because they live and work here. So it's just a collection of scriptures that as as you build the scripture into your heart and as you just think about it, then you just simply begin to pray out of those verses. You begin to pray. And again, why do we do this? Because we are in this way praying what God has already said. God has said all that about you. I believe all of that about you as you are out there every day in this. And it could have gone on and on and on and on. And as you do that, you meditate the word. You roll it around in your mind, you visualize it, you see it, you see it coming to pass, you see it over specific people's lives, so you get to meditate the word, you get built up and strengthened, and you speak and declare what God has already said. It's powerful. It's just powerful. It's awesome. So I really encourage you, uh, pick up those tools if you need to, but start thinking about this. Start thinking about this in your prayer life, that you you want to have a portion of your prayer life be declaring the scripture over people's lives. God's word is alive and powerful and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It carries his life. It carries his anointing. You got that? Is that good? All right. So next, uh, um, and these next two kind of go together. All right. We want to pray from favor, not for favor. And we want to pray from position, not for position. Okay, what does that mean? We already have God's favor on our life. Psalm 512 says, his favor surrounds you like a shield. Okay, his favor, his, his acceptance, his blessing. It's already ours because of what Jesus did not because of what we did. So rather than always going and praying, God, uh, you know, I really messed up yesterday, but I still hope you'll fix this for me. I still hope, Lord, when I go into work, this will work out. Instead of praying that way, we already stand, and it's always humbling to think about this, we already stand in this place that the Bible calls righteousness, which means perfect acceptance and favor from God, because we are in Christ, you are in Christ, you have the favor of God, it surrounds you like a shield. Uh, a shield does two things it it protects certainly and and that's important, but it also you can knock a door down with a shield, you can hit your enemy with a shield when you go into your life, when you go into your business, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go out, you are surrounded by the favor of God. Now to me, that also speaks not only of, well, that's great for my life. That's awesome. But also I like to, in, in my mind, extend that shield so that when I walk through a city market, I believe people come in contact with the favor of God. I believe it is for others also. I believe that the favor that is on me comes on the business that I work for. It comes on the place, the business that I run or wherever I go, the favor of God is going with me. So I want to pray from that place. I want to stand in that place of favor. And and the way that that I do it is with things like this. I thank God for that. When I'm going into a meeting and I need the favor of God, i don't say, oh God, please, 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 you know, send your favor because he's already done it. There's kind of no point in praying that prayer. Uh, Instead, I say, thank you so much that your favor, it, it surrounds me, it goes before me. It's already affecting the people I need to meet with. It's all right, your favor, it's already there. It's going before me. It's coming behind me. It's guarding what I can't see. You know, it's my rear guard. It is all around me, but it goes in ahead. I expect, Lord, because of your word. I just trust your word. It says that your favor surrounds me. So I believe, Lord, as I go into this meeting, that your favor is already there. It's It's a part of our salvation. Again, it's something that belongs to you. So you always, we pray from a position of acceptance because that's who we are. You need to get somewhat comfortable with that. You can always be tremendously thankful for it, but you need to get comfortable with it. You are accepted in the beloved. You are his child. You have his favor. So, so we want to pray from favor, not for favor, and from position. Same, same type of idea. Our position in Christ is Righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, all right? That is our position. Again, not because of anything we have done. Thank God for it. I mean, none of us deserve it. We never will, but it's given to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are accepted, all right? So we have that position. We are, uh, the scripture says that he has called us to be partakers of the divine nature. Just not, not just observers, of the divine nature, but partakers. He has called us to be companions and partners with him in this earth. I mean, that's an amazing thing and it blows all of our minds. Nevertheless, it's true. Okay, it's and and so we pray, we can pray with authority in this earth because we belong to Christ and he has given it to us. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, therefore you go into all the earth. We go as partners with him in his labor in this earth. We pray as partners with him in in his labor in this earth. So we're not always just asking him to do something and hoping he does it. We want, as we've said all through this series, we want to connect with him and get his heart and then release that confidently into the earth and keep releasing it until we see it come to pass or we die. Okay, But it's still important that we keep releasing it because he'll pick somebody. If it isn't going to happen in this generation, he'll bring somebody else into it and they'll be releasing whatever it is too. And sooner or later, his word's going to get done. Let's go over to to, uh, Matthew chapter 16 with me. The prayer that we call the prayer of binding and loosing comes from this. It is vitally related to this idea of our position in Christ and who we are in Christ. The two are intimately connected. So we're going to go, I know some of you have heard me teach on this a number of times, but we're going to go through these verses. They're so important. We're going to start in verse 13 uh, in Matthew chapter 16. And it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say I am? So what he's, what he's asking them to tell him is, uh, who do people say that I am? What is, what, what, is, what is the opinion about my identity? He's not asking, what do people say that I've done? He's saying, who do people say that I am? He's going straight to identity. See that? He's saying, who do they think I am? All right, And, and they give him some, you know, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, etc. So they give him all these opinions that people have about who Jesus is. And we still have a raft of opinions out there about who Jesus is. People love to post them on the internet. You know, he's this, he's that, you know, whatever. But then he turned to his disciples and said, "Okay, but who do you say that I am? Right? Who do you say? What this is becomes personal. All right. This is a but as for me, who do I say that he is? Right? And and so that's what he asked him. Who do you say? What? How do you identify my? What is my identity to you? All right. And Peter comes out with probably the greatest statement Peter ever came out with until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He says." Uh, you are the Christ, which is, you know, it's, it's the Greek term for the Messiah. It's a term that means the anointed one. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. He got it right. He identified Jesus not as a prophet, not as a good person, not as a great teacher, not as somebody who never who uh, never existed at all, all of which you can read on the internet. He identified him as Messiah, you're the one who has been prophesied, you are the Savior. He was saying a lot of things in that term, Christ. You are the Son of the Living God. All right, so he connected personally with who Jesus is, he identified him as who Jesus is, and Jesus said to him, You are blessed, Simon, because. that nobody, no person revealed this to you, my Father in heaven revealed this to you, so he says you're blessed because you have a personal relation or a personal revelation of who I am, not just what I do, okay who i am and he and he says, You are blessed because the Father revealed this to you, and then he turns immediately, Jesus tells Peter. Who he is. He, in this he gave him the name, you know, we say Peter. But, so, I really want you to get this. Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was. He's the Messiah. Okay, in that, for us, we can say, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Savior. He is the only way to the Father. He is, he is the Son of God. He is the eternal word. I mean, we could go on and on and on. He is the way. He is the door. He is the great shepherd. He is all of these things. It is who he is, not just what he does. When we have that revelation and we give ourselves to that and confess that the way Peter just did, we are born again because we're the other side of the cross. Peter still couldn't be born again when he made this because the blood had not been shed yet. But nevertheless, we're this side of the cross. It's that revelation and statement confession that is the whole heart of the gospel it is the starting place It is the foundation stone of the gospel a recognition that Jesus is the Christ there aren't many ways to God there's one way to God God will lead people that believe a lot of different things to that one way but he is either the way the truth and the life or he's a liar one or the other okay So Peter grabbed this, and when Peter made that confession, Jesus turns that right around and says, okay, I'm going to tell you who you are. I'm going to tell you what your identity is. And he uses, and most of you have heard this many times. We're going to go through it again. He uses this, it's a play on words. Uh, Here he says, you're blessed because you received this revelation. I tell you that you are, he used the word, Petros. Okay, or the Greek language uses the word petros, P-E-T-R-O-S. It means a small stone. All right, not a big rock, a small stone. Somewhere besides about the size of a baseball to the size of a basketball. That's what it referred to, stones. Okay, he says, that's who you are. Your name's Simon. Your dad's name is Jonah. But this is who you are. You are this, this small piece of stone. And he says, and on this Petra, P-E-T-R-A, which means a, like a cliff face, an outcropping, an immovable massive chunk of rock, I will build my church. He's not saying he'll build his church on, on Peter. Okay? He's saying, I will build my church on The giant rock you just spit out, the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the recognition, the knowledge that Jesus is the Christ. I'll build my church on that solid foundation. But, Simon, you are now a piece of the rock. You are now of the same material that I am. But you're a movable, shapeable, usable piece of me. Do you get that? That's what he was saying in this. And, he's, and, he, and so he's saying, this is who you are. And from, you know they, We called him Peter ever since. All right? But he says, this is what I'm going to build my church on and the gates of hell will, will not prevail against it. And he goes on now, okay, and he says in verse 19, now he switches to speaking in the plural. He says, I will give you disciples, not just you, Peter, the keys to the kingdom of heaven not just you, Peter. You've heard all the jokes, right? About Peter standing at the pearly gates with the key, deciding whether people get in or out. That's not Peter's role. Jesus is the gate. He is the way. He is the door. He is the key. He's all of those things. I'm sure Peter's embarrassed. But, and and I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, you know, I mean, as silly as that is, Those jokes perpetuate really bad doctrine in people's minds. They think Peter is different than any other disciple. He had a special role at that time. He was an apostle. There are apostles today. okay? He was Peter. He had a great role. He got to walk with Jesus. Awesome. But he is no different in relationship to God than you and I are. You don't have to pray to a saint. You don't have to pray to your dead Aunt Mary. You don't have to pray to any of those people. You are a believer. You are a piece of the rock. You are a, a movable piece of Jesus Christ from which he can build things in this earth. This making sense to you. All right, so so we come to this and he says, I will give you disciples, it's a plural you, the keys the kingdom of heaven. Keys represent authority, access, and responsibility. If I give you the keys to the house, okay, you have access to what's mine. With that, you have authority to use the key. I'm giving you authority to enter my house. I'm giving you the right to enter my house. And with that, I have some expectations of you that you will lock the door when you leave okay that you won't burn the house down okay you know there's some expectation that you'll use it responsibly that's what keys are about okay so so he says i'm giving you disciples you believers i'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven the place over which god rules the 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 place in which the will of god is seen i'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven Whatever you bind on earth... I'm going to switch the Amplified here because the NIV gets it wrong. It makes a note about it, but it definitely gets it wrong here. Um, Verse 19 says, I will give you the keys or authority of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind, whatever you forbid or declare to be improper and unlawful on the earth will have already been bound in heaven. This is almost all of your translations make a footnote about this. Some of them don't read that way. They say whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It absolutely says whatever you bind on earth must be what has already been bound in heaven. Okay, And the terms and whatever you loose, permit, or declare lawful on the earth will have already been loosed in heaven. All right. So we have this idea of binding and loosing and it's it's a type of prayer that we pray. At that time the rabbis used that terminology all the time. Everybody knew what this meant. To bind something meant just what this says here, to forbid it, to say it is unlawful, it doesn't agree with God's rule. It doesn't agree with the word. It doesn't agree with the commandments. It doesn't agree it is not in line with the word, so it is forbidden. All right, to lose something meant it is lawful. It agrees with the word. It is in line with God's nature and God's word. We ne- there. There's never a time where we should pray something that is not in line with God's nature and God's word. You say, well, duh. But it happens all the time, usually because people don't know God's nature, have never been taught God's nature. Okay, I just had a conversation with a guy I've known for decades, uh, for a long, long time, very good friend yesterday. And, and he has, his wife passed away 10 years ago, and he's started uh, dating somebody. And she's grown up in a particular uh, d- denomination. And He was just talking to her one day. She was saying, you know, I I just, as their relationship has developed, she she said, I don't feel like, you know, that I can just listen to the news a lot and everything because it just pulls me down. It discourages me. It makes me fearful and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he said, well, yeah, and, you know, the Bible says you got to guard your heart, you know. And she said, well, where does the Bible say that? She'd never heard that, ever and he said, well, you know, over in Proverbs chapter four, it says that we need to guard our heart and out of it flow the issues of life. And he just gave her this little little paragraph about how the, you know, the issues that that word means, it's a picture of a river, a stream and how everything flows out of your life. Your life takes that direction. There are boundaries created. You know, the stuff that we talk about all the time out of that verse. And she was just boggled because she had never heard that. She said, that's so awesome. Where'd you learn all that? And he said, well, it's, you know, it's in church, you know. But but anyway, we there's no place for us to pray outside of God's nature. Things that we bind on this earth, we bind because they're not allowed in heaven. You know, situations where we... Sometimes we run into a situation where sickness, a variety of sicknesses and pains and degeneration and stuff seems to have taken hold in a household. And it's just, I'm not just talking about, you know, my kids got sick and I got sick and then my kids got sick. And, you know, that's one thing and that should be prayed against. But this is, you can feel it when you're dealing with some of these situations. This is much bigger than that. Jesus dealt with a spirit of infirmity in some cases. Not all sickness is created by that, but some is. And so we will bind the spiritual force that is trying to bring that sickness into that home. And you'll just know in your heart, I don't know how else to say it, you'll just know in your heart, man, there's there's an entity behind this one. This isn't normal. This isn't just flu season. I don't think we should give flu a season, but at any rate, um, you know, this is something much more than that, and there may be things going on in that person where you know they have their identity wrapped up in being sick, and that's where they get their uh, they have people care for them. and yeah, there could be a lot of roots, but the devil will take advantage of things like that. So we want to get them free, but we want to bind that because that's not allowed in heaven. That's not allowed in heaven. We bind things, we declare them, we believers. I will give you believers the keys, the access, the authority, and the responsibility to the kingdom of heaven on this earth, all right? Whatever you bind, you bind it because it's already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose is what has already been loosed in heaven. We loose everything that Jesus died for. We loose everything. The message of the gospel, we lose the peace of God. We lose health and healing. We lose ability. I I always falter on these words, but we lose success and satisfaction and prosperity and all of that where people's businesses are concerned. We lose harmony in relationships. Why? Because those are are loosed in heaven. They're approved in heaven, so we approve it on this earth. That's the prayer of binding and loosing. It goes right back to, you see who I am, you're a piece of me on this earth. You see it? So we pray from that position, the prayer of binding and loosing is, is prayed from that position and with that authority. All right, the two are intimately connected. Oh, eleven o'clock, I wanted to get through agreement. Um, well, I, I shouldn't. There's a, lot, there's a lot to say about the prayer of agreement. I'll just touch on it and then we'll quit. Uh, coming right from this, we're going to go over next week to Matthew chapter 18, where these verses are repeated. Whatever you bind on earth must be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, loosed in heaven. And then in, And then in verse 19, same discourse that's that's Matthew 18:19 and this I'm sorry 18:18 18, 18. and then 18:19 says wherever two or three of you agree together it shall be done on this earth we agree we can only agree Boy, there's a lot I want to say about this I'm going to stop I promise don't look at me Karen <laughs> we agree because we can agree because we know who he is what his nature is what his word says and we know what he wants to do we know what needs to be bound we know what needs to be loosed and so i can come together with another believer that believes those same things that's a big deal right there there are a lot there are some of your friends that are wonderful people and they're going to heaven, but they don't hold the same beliefs that you do. And if you're going to try to agree together for somebody's healing with somebody who thinks, maybe it's God's will. Maybe they're sick because it's God's will. Maybe they sin. Maybe he's punishing them. Whatever. If they're going to say that when you're saying, Jesus carried this sickness and disease to the cross, and by his stripes, this person is healed, and we're going to lose it there, that's not agreement. Okay? going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. So we'll talk about what agreement is, but it, this, these are all related and they all come from the same place. But the prayer of agreement is really powerful. Whatever two or three of you agree is touching anything, it will be done for you. All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the time we've had this morning. I pray, Father God, that uh, Lord, that you would take the words that have been spoken here. Holy Spirit, I believe you impart them deep into our hearts. Lord, if there's any adjustment you need to make in us, in our thinking, in our praying, we invite you to do it. We welcome those kinds of adjustments from you, Lord. I thank you for that. Anything that's a question, I just believe you sort it out for us, Lord. We just thank you so much for that. And, And I just pray, Lord, that all of our prayer would continue to grow more and more effective. Lord, that we could bless this community with our prayer as well as our presence, Lord. We thank you for it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand up. Oh, yeah, I didn't do any announcements. That's okay. You can still stand up. Women's group Tuesday at noon. Okay. Sign up for church next week is open right now. So you can sign up anytime. I think there was a third one, but I have no idea what it was. Oh, there are invite cards back there if you'd like to take some of those and invite people to church with them. Okay. Okay. Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.